Welcome, friends, to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. This is the happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show, where we will spend the last couple hours of your working week engaging in some energetic and entertaining conversation on state, local, national news, and politics. Woo, we love that. Also, we've got some uh, discussion about uh, television, things of this nature, education, things of this nature going to be a great day because it's friday uh it's a little windy out there uh, i gotta tell you people my ride over here to the station was um arduous let's call it arduous i burned some calories today that's good uber producer dan peters is not here he is not here today he's got a well-deserved day off you know the dan uh the uber producer he works hard ladies and gentlemen he works hard and he deserves an occasional respite and that's what he's getting today. Thanks for spending some time with me today out there on your radio, driving around, listening to Information 1000 KSOO. Maybe you're out on a job site somewhere. We appreciate all that you do, you good people, public servants everywhere. Maybe you're streamed live on KSO.com or on the KSO mobile app. And can I tell you a few things about the mobile app, people? First of all, go get it. You I'm, listen, listen to your Uncle Pat, all right? Uh, this mobile app? You're not going to regret it. It's uh, It's got the one-touch streaming, so you can listen to this fine program at any time, three to five weekdays. Uh, you can listen to uh, Chad and Beth in the morning on the uh, Main Street Cafe, five to eight, if you're one of those people who are up that early. I know many of you are. And, uh, of course, all the programming through the course of the day. Um, and always, as you know, we are on Facebook Live, as we are right now, when we have a good internet connection, which... Apparently we do. We got a good clean signal today. A good clean signal on Facebook Live. You can go on there and chat with us anytime. Uh, I do my best to keep up. Uh, we've got our Twitter account, of course, at P. Lally Show. When Dan's not here, uh, I do my best to uh, punch out a few links and things of this nature to keep you folks entertained and engaged. But it's best just to listen to the radio uh, through one of the many different platforms that are available to you in this fine world. Think how lucky you are. Think how lucky you are that you're able to listen to this fine program anywhere you go. Phone, computer, radio. The old transistor. It'll take care of you. Maybe you're, you know, listen to the twins. That's the way that's the best way to listen to the twins, by the way. You get uh, you get your little transistor and uh, you sit out on your deck with a adult beverage on a hot summer night and you just, you know, you listen to the twins. And even though things have kind of taken a turn still got to be a fan people i'm still a fan i want to remind everybody that uh we made the big announcement this week about uh our uh public input uh at club david which is going to be me scott erisman and uh disgruntled former city commissioner matt staub and we will be doing rolling commentary and uh, uh you know having a good time we're gonna have a good time joel at club david during the city council meeting on tuesday night We'll get going about 6.30. Meeting goes live at 7. And uh, we're going to sit there and we're going to talk about, um, you know, what's going on in the city. And uh, yes, uh, there may be a few uh, uh, wise cracks. There might be some razzing. A little razzing might be available. Uh, there'll be drink specials and there'll be uh, city council bingo. So that'll be fun. I, I happen to know that word is spreading. Word is spreading uh, at the highest levels that uh, we're having this fine program on Tuesday night. And uh, 
you can find out about it. You can follow the Facebook uh, event. If you'll go find that through North End Productions, uh, you can uh, uh, you can follow Erisman's blog at selfdakota.com. He's got it up there. You can get me on any of these social medias. I'm sure there'll be a lot of live tweeting and the like going on through the evening. That's Tuesday night. We're going to try it through August whenever there's a meeting and uh, see how it goes. We just want to have fun, okay? Uh, nobody's making any cash off this deal, all right? This is not a profit center. It's not a revenue stream. It's just three dudes hanging out talking about city book government and politics. What could be more fun than that? That's my question. Um, another thing I want to mention, by the way, and this is really starting to upset me, all right? It's getting under my skin. You good people know that I spend a fair amount of time on the urban multi-use path, a.k.a. the bike trail, with you know thousands of my fellow Sioux Fallsians on a regular basis. And this time of year, always a lot of, a lot of people out there. Always. Any time of the day. There's just people, people, people. And that is Marvy. I love it. I just some, There's some days when I'm out there, I just can't believe how many people I see walking, running, uh, you know, rollerblading, longboarding, riding their bikes, uh, kayaking down the Big Sioux. So many people. And it's just, it's so great. It's one of the best times of year in the best little city in America. And then, but more and more, I'm seeing, you know, the earbud thing has always been an issue, right? People with the earbuds in, listening to whatever they're listening to. And that's fine, all right? If that if you don't like nature, uh, that's fine. I happen to like nature. I like to happen to like be able to perceive my surroundings. As an urban cyclist, I think it's important to be able to hear what's coming. Uh, the problem is when I'm coming on my bike, and I don't, I'm, I'm riding, these days I'm riding a big adventure bike. Big, it's, not, it's not a roadie, okay? I'm not tooling at 22 MPH. I'm cruising along, humping it at maybe 12, 13. And, but if you're walking, running, whatever, you can't hear me coming. I can scream my head, my fool head off back there. Pass it on to the left. And you don't hear me. And you start weaving around. And it's even worse when there's two or three people. And they all got, you know, you got two or three people running together and they're all wearing earbuds. Don't you people talk to each other? That's the benefit of a group run. You may as well just run by yourself. Ugh. So I will admit, I will admit to this, and it's I'm not proud. I am not proud of this, people. I will occasionally roll up next to somebody, get up next to them, slow down, and just kind of yell, Passing! right into their ear. Uh, you know, it's not nice. I understand that. It's not a polite thing to do. And I'm, again, I'm not proud of it. But I've had it! Pat it with the earbuds. Maybe just put one in. Can't somebody invent something that you can hear uh, whatever podcast or whatever you're listening to, uh, you know, the, 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 the jangly pop music, the, the hip hop, the country, whatever it is, that you can have like, you know, some sort of secure system on your head so it doesn't fall off that you can still hear when somebody's coming up behind you. I would think, I would think that as a runner, Okay, when you're out there in the early morning or late evening hours, and if you have security concerns, which I think are completely overblown in many circles, but if, if that's in, and you're still wearing the earbuds, wouldn't you want to hear something coming? I mean, why? Why, people? Why? I'm at a loss for words. 
We have a great show for you today. City Councilor Janet Brecky is making her first appearance on the program since winning election in May. We've sort of been doing a, a, a round robin on all of the city councilors, and it's uh, Janet's turn today, and we really look forward to chatting with her. We had Greg Neitzert on yesterday. Good conversation there, and I look forward to talking with Janet Brecky today. The, the Boone Man is making a special Friday appearance for Weird Friends. That'll be fun. KSFY Severe Weather Center Chief Meteorologist Phil Shrek is in about four, and I'll have a P&L statement just after the next break. Today's topic, oh, full cost of the school bond. I got, I there's some things here. Uh, you're going to hang in there. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 318 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO, and it's the Bodines people. Yes, indeedy, closer to free with the Bodines theme song of the PL statement. That time of day when we look through the news and find the things that anger us, make us happy, disturb us, confuse us, enlighten us beyond what we've already been. And today it's a story uh, from your Argus leader. Uh, I believe a story that moved online earlier this week, but was on the front page of the Dead Tree version. Uh, the the soon-to-be-dead Dead Tree version uh, of the Argus Leader. And the headline, and we'll, let's start with the headline, okay? And it's about the school bond issue, the $190 thing, okay? Could the $190 million bond cost more than proposed? Okay. First of all, I mean, before we get into the meat of this thing, uh, that's a terrible headline, all right? Uh, I was in the newspaper business for nigh on uh, nearly 30 years, and I wrote a lot of headlines in my day, uh, and uh, I was a copy editor, uh, news editor, editor, all that stuff. That's a bad headline. One, question headlines are almost always bad. They're often easy, but they're bad because you're, many times you're using it to pose a question that is unanswerable. So you have to be able to answer the question. In this case, the question is self-evident. The answer to the question is self-evident. Of course it is. Every bond has interest. It's a loan against tax receipts. It's a, it's the headlines misleading at best, but could the $190 million bond cost more than proposed? Yes. The problem is then it infers something that isn't true, that the 190 million, the actual borrowed amount of money could be higher. That's the implication of the headline. And that's not true. But they don't ever answer that. So I'm, I'm upset about the headline, first of all, just as a matter of principle. But let's get to the meat of it. Uh, here's a, here, the story is about the total cost, which has been an issue. Uh, uh, what's the total cost of the bond, right, with interest? It's a legitimate question. And I asked Brian Maher, Superintendent Brian Maher, when he was on the show recently, and he said he didn't really have an answer. He said it's sort of yet to be determined because it's hard to calculate. Uh, we don't really know what the interest rate is, which is true. But we can also make some basic assumptions. And you can develop a range, for instance, based on the highs and lows of the assumptions. And you know generally where it's going to land. So if this is a 25-year bond at 4%, as they're using as the example here in the story, it's like $110 million in interest. Of course, 
This is an issue that Mr. Erisman, Scott Erisman, uh, friend of the show, frequent guest, and blogger at SouthCola.com, has raised many times, and, and, and he's been trying to bring it up. Now, Scott's upset. He believes there's some obfuscation going on. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe not. Uh, and that's all fine and good. That's a legitimate debate to have. Like, uh, well, well, how much is it going to be, right? But here's where this story goes bad, and I think that there's a mistake being made, uh, not in the story, but in the, the, the people in the story. Uh, uh, just say what it is, okay? Nobody, nobody, nobody is surprised that there's interest on a loan. Nobody. What makes me mad is there's this dance going on in order to not talk about a bigger number when it's already a big number, right? 190 million, big number. A little shocking when it came out. We're getting our heads around it now, but it was a little shocking when it came out. Nobody wants to talk about 300 million. And I, I understand uh, uh, that in some respects, but it has it has set up uh, an unfortunate conversation about what is already an unfortunate headline. Making it worse are the condescending statements in this story, not from Superintendent Maher, who generally is more diplomatic, but from former school board member turned school district employee Doug Morrison and Thomas Grimond from Doherty and Company, which is the bond firm that handles pretty much all the bond sales around here, right? You remember Jonathan Ellis did, uh, you probably won't remember this, many years ago now, did a fine investigation into uh, the use of uh, not opening bonds for bid, essentially. So Doherty and Company been around a long time, make a lot of money off this stuff. So this is from the story today in the Argus Leader. The company was hired by the district last month to manage the ins and outs of the bond for $60,500 if the bond passes, right? So they have a vested interest. I understand that. The quote from Mr. Grimond, who is a vice president of some sort, residents are trying to use a futuristic number or what we would call future dollars to try and explain current dollars. Current dollars is $190 million. Future dollars might be another $110 million, but it could be less than that. No kidding? Tom? Current dollars and future dollars? Or what we like to call principal and interest? I mean, we're not stupid. Grimond called the $300 million number a scare tactic by naysayers and compared the process to how home buyers talk about buying a new home with their friends and family. Quote, nobody goes out there and says, I bought a $200,000 house, but in interest, it's going to cost me $400,000 or 40 years. First of all, nobody gets a 40-year mortgage. If they are, they're dumb. Grimond said, they don't look at that final number. Should they? Maybe. But if you ask the naysayers, how much are you paying on your house with principal and interest included in it? I don't know. I know they don't know that number. It would be like crickets going off, but they want to hold the school district to that same standard. That is a completely condescending statement, and it doesn't do anybody any good, particularly the school district. It sets up up this us versus them dynamic that just doesn't exist in this bond. I've heard people ask for the full amount. Yes. I've heard people question the overall number. Yes. But I've not heard one person yet say these are not necessary and valuable building needs for the school district. But that's what you that's the dynamic that you have just set up there, Mr. Grimond. 
Also, Mr. Grimond, you are not a school district employee. You are not an elected official. I don't even know if you live here. I don't know. I don't know you, Mr. Grimond. You might. Do you live in the district? Do you live in Harrisburg? Or Brandon? Tri-Valley, Hartford, West Central. You know, what am I saying? Where do you live? Do you live in the district or not? You're an advisor on money matters, okay? Your judgment is on what's a scare tactic and what is not a scare tactic is irrelevant to me. The people should always ask questions about how our money is being spent. It's our money, not Doherty and Company, although they're going to get their bite. It's not Doug Morrison's, although he's on salary. And it's not Brian Myers. It's ours. Everybody's. I support this bond. I support building new schools. But don't talk to me like I'm stupid. I know how interest works. I've bought homes. In fact, I did know the final number because they tell you the final number. It's in the paperwork. And you know that, Mr. Gremond. We all do. That's the bottom line on today's P&L statement. You can agree or disagree with me. Send me an email, Patrick at KSOO.com. You can uh, send us a note on Twitter or Facebook. Our Twitter handle, of course, is at P. Lally Show, P-L-A-L-L-E-Y-S-H-O-W. We'll be right back after the news and weather, chatting with the Boon Man for Weird Friends. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 334 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Got fired from a cattle drive, love north. The ropes of the gallows was swinging in the breeze. All the wanted posters had pictures of me. I got Michael 45 right by my side. Oh, I'm the California kid. I hope you're quite prepared to die. Oh, and it's Friday. It's a happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show, and we're getting fired up with the California Kid by the Beat Farmers. And we also bring in on this beautiful afternoon for Weird Friends, the Boone Man. Boone Man, how are you, baby? Had I known it was happy hour, I would have cracked a cold one. Oh, it's not too late. Well, I'll just reach into my desk drawer here and grab a bottle of whiskey. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's nice. That's a, well, you probably got a, a dorm fridge. A, you got a little beer fridge uh, tucked away in that <laughs> office somewhere, don't you? Couple of them, couple of them, couple dorm fridge. You know, I get a nice glass front, beverage center. Oh. You know, so I can see what's in stock. Yes. And downstairs, I have the private stash right next to my nap couch. Nice. Yeah, I need yep. to get one of those beer fridges for my uh, garage, so I don't have to keep going in the house to get yeah. myself a refreshment. Yeah, handy. Yeah, and you can keep more. You know, you just keep a, a stock there, a backup supply. Oh, I'll have to send you a picture. I I, I opened up my fridge. A friend of mine was going to come over for dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were hosting a small gathering, and he asked if he could bring uh, some beer. And I sent him a picture of the fridge. It said. I don't know where you'd put it. <laughs> you know someone else, a mutual friend of ours, has a very similar fridge. <laughs> yes, I uh, I understand that. But then, you know, you, you just try and bring something, maybe leave in the garage as uh, just a little backup, little uh, stock, yeah. back stock. You know, it's hard. It's hard. Well, uh, hey, what was I going to ask you about? Oh, you, you are a, uh, first of all, uh, disgruntled former city commissioner, Matt Staub. 
You remember him. I know him, yes. Yeah, well, we're doing this thing on Tuesday night down at Club David. I, I thought, yeah, I've seen that. I'm thinking of coming to that. That would be good. Yeah. Uh, you would be a great addition to that uh, that uh, oh, situation. Oh, I, I could rather heckle. Yeah, oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Um, but uh, he said on Facebook today uh, on my live feed that uh, you own money. I don't, that's probably true, yeah. I'm not on the Facebooks. Well, that's good. Oh. Then he can't collect. He just said, Boon Man owes me money. That's all he said. I said, I'll I'll ask him about it. Get in line. <laughs> I think I probably already. I said that's not uncommon. So, hey, uh, movies. You're a movie guy. I am. Yeah. I, 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 uh, IFC. I watch that quite a bit. Um, you know, I'll flip by that to see what's on because they'll have they'll have quirky movies on there, and then and they're not cut. They have commercials, but they're not cut. Really? Yeah. No. So, language nudity. They don't care. They're playing it. Oh. Well, I got to make. I mean, they'll play it. Pulp Fiction. They'll play. Uh, they'll play. Yeah, I mean, they'll play R-rated movies. Not yes. cut commercials. Finally, uh, civilization has caught up yeah, to television. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but what, there was a movie on that just made me think, man, I don't. Re- I remember this as being much funnier mm-hmm. and not as bad as it is. <laughs> and it is awful in its weird science. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, Anthony Michael Hall. Yes. Um, that one guy, um, <laughs> uh, uh, Chet, his brother Chet, uh, yes. who was Bill Paxton. Was that his brother Chet? Yeah, yeah, it was his brother Chet. It was Bill Paxton? You're Bill Paxton, me. yeah. Who was the guy that was in Twister and uh, that space movie? Um, oh, Apollo uh, thirteen. The guy, the astronaut that didn't go. Not Ed Harris. He went. No, 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 no. Ed Harris is in the right stuff. Ah, oh, God. Uh, Bill Paxton. He was he, he was the guy in Twister, right? I think right so. Right around with Helen Hunt. Yeah, and yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bill Paxton. One of his first movies. Actually, another movie that I just saw him in was Terminator. Really? Yeah, he was one me. of the guys that... Um, remember when uh, when uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator, when he comes back and he's naked? Yes. He's talking to those three punks. Yes. Three punks, and he wants their clothes. That's... Yeah. One of them was Bill Paxton. <laughs> You're kidding me. Yeah. That's funny. So, yes. Uh, a horrible, horrible movie. Uh... uh, uh Robert, Robert Downey, Downey Jr. Jr. Yep. Yeah. I'm looking. Well, I, I not Morton Downey Jr. No, which would have been better. Uh, oh, it's a horrible movie. I mean, bad, horrible special effects, terrible editing. It's just a horrible, horrible movie. And, you know, uh, I don't mind um, cheesy special effects. Because look at look Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. You watch Ghostbusters today. Still laugh. Oh, I'll excuse the the uh, you know Slimer guy and uh, it was you know hey it was 1984 mm-hmm. come on mm-hmm. uh, and that's that is a movie that did age well I could still watch Ghostbusters the, I could I would not watch Weird Science again if it was on I started watching it uh, <laughs> and uh, I you know you know you shouldn't watch it when you see the when you see the description I IMBD no matter how sort of fondly you may remember it. Two high school nerds attempt to create the perfect woman, but she turns out to be more than that. Yeah, it's Ooh. not good. Another one, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, come on now. It's not age well. Come on now. I now love there, that again, there's some great lines in there, but uh, another one that I watched with my son, a classic movie from my youth that is just horrible. Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, yeah. No, that does not hold up. Oh, I mean, just terrible. <laughs> uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Horrible. Yeah, that's horrible. Terrible. Movie. That's not good. Uh, Porky's. 
I mean, that no, just, come on now, don't. Oh no, I'm telling you, if, if you see if you can watch it. I don't know if you can ever. I don't know if maybe it's available on beta. 1981. Get it? 1981. But there are some, you know, like I said, Ghostbusters and First Blood. First Blood, another the first, the original and only good Rambo movie. Oh sure, yep. First Blood. That is very good. Brian Dennehy, Richard Crenna, that one guy that's on um, uh, CSI that always has the stupid, you know, stupid pun to begin the the show, where you know the guy got uh, you know impaled on the uh, at the at the at the county fair <laughs> on the, on the tilt a whirl or something, you know. He'll say something like, "Well, I guess that's his last ride." <laughs> David, and they play the music. That David guy, Caruso. The, yes, him. That guy. He's in that. He is in uh, First Blood. That's a. I did not know that. I. Yeah. He. Uh, he apparently uh, plays Mitch. Mitch. Yeah, he's one of the one of the deputies. No, that's uh, a good movie. I like that. I I will watch that. It's, that's Jaws good. It, you know, Jaws good. Back to, yep. Got to watch it. You yeah. know what else is very good? You know when I when it comes on. Uh, is uh, what was I just thinking of? I lost it. Oh my god! Oh Highlander. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it's got some great lines in it. Um, like it's like First Blood, great lines. You know Richard Crenna, mm-hmm. who, who who was also great in Summer Rental, another <laughs> movie that does age well. But you know he's there as as uh, who was it, Colonel Troutman. Yes, he's talking about uh, about he's talking about uh, about Rambo. He's a, he's a man who's been trained to ignore pain, to ignore weather, to live off the land. Eat things that would make a billy goat puke. <laughs> lines like that are great. Um, uh, that's pretty yeah. good. Uh, like and then it went downhill from there. Oh, that's a good movie. No, though. the first blood movies. The oh, rest of them. terrible! Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, and then and then you look at Sylvester Stallone's record. I mean, he, he made uh, what um, uh, Rocky? Great movie. Yes, oh, again, yeah. ages well. Per- Rocky two could not keeps getting worse. Yes. Yes, over time. Rocky two didn't seem that bad at the time, and now oh like, no, it's oh. even worse now. But Rocky three come back strong with Mr. T. Yeah, yeah. that's a great one. And then Rocky four, uh, uh, Rocky five. It's uh, really Rocky gone Balboa. Bad. Good movie. I like that one. See, I didn't see it. That's the yeah, one that's, that doesn't have Stallone in it. Or it, it's the it's the yeah, sort no, of he, second yeah, generation. But, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. He I, he fights. Uh, he does fight Mason the line. Oh, okay. In that one. But yeah. uh, uh, that's the one with uh, Creed's kid or whatever it's supposed yes. to be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think about uh, like uh, in, the, in those John Hughes era films, like uh, the uh, Weird Science? You've got sixteen candles. Does that hold up for you? Yeah, I do. I think it does. Yeah. I think it does. That's a good one. You, I like that. Uh, I think some people look at it today, and they're uh, they're they're looking at it through two thousand eighteen glasses. I mean, it's a different time. It's the, it was the '80s, baby. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Let's not hold it up to your your you know millennial standards of comedy. Yeah, that's just not fair. Like Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles is getting a bad rap. Oh yeah. I mean, you watch that movie. Yeah, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't politically correct then. It sure isn't now. But it was done in, I think, a very I thought I like Mel Brooks. I like uh, I like that's a really good, ends a little funky. The end, I think <laughs> they the didn't way, have an end. They didn't have an end. Yeah, it just it was a little weird, but uh, I liked it. Uh, like Gene Wilder. The like thing Richard about Blair. the thing about Blazing Saddles is, yeah, it's it's oh, like not politically correct or whatever phrase you want to use makes you uncomfortable, but it's supposed to. 
Yeah. The point. That's the point. It wasn't. It wasn't funny. They weren't trying to be funny. They were trying to be satirical. Yes. It wasn't like, oh yeah, this is funny. This is how we talk. No, it's making fun of that. So just. It was very good. Uh, Matt's disgruntled, disgruntled former city commissioner Matt Staub on uh, Facebook says stripes. What are you? What's your? What are your thoughts on stripes? I'll watch it. Yep, every time. Yeah, every time that I I would watch it. Pretty much any Bill Murray movie, I still have to watch. I can't. You know what's not? What what, meatballs? Not no, not good. Yeah, no, that was a bad movie. That was a bad movie. That was during Uh a bad era. Couple good lines from it, but not uh, you know, no, not uh, not good. Uh, Caddyshack. Caddyshack. What are are your thoughts on Caddyshack? You know, I like it. Best movie about best movie ever about caddies. Yeah, Caddyshack. There's no question about that. Movie ever about caddies. Caddies. Caddyshack too. (laughs) That's right. And you think. You know how how could a how could a movie with uh, who's that guy that's in it? He not he's not like Rodney Dangerfield, but it's uh, he's an old comic from the Catskills, old old Jewish comic from the Catskills. You know that guy? Who's that guy's name? He talks like that in the first he one or the second one? Bernie Sanders. What's his name? Henny Youngman. <laughs> no, 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 no. In the second one, in Caddyshack Two, um, he's he, he's Bernie he's Bernie Sanders. Um, Jackie Mason. Jackie Mason, yes. Jackie Mason is awesome. Yeah, always the best. Anyway, so the, I, so check out some of those old movies uh, from the eighties. But again, avoid Weird Science, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Beverly Hills Cop, Revenge of the Nerds. Any one of them. Yeah, those are those are some yeah, of the those are those are the classics. But now we've been set straight. Yeah, no, hey, uh, do you want to hang out just a little bit and talk about TV for a second? I do. Yes. Awesome. Yes. We'll be right back with the Boon Man on Weird Friends Talking TV. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three fifty on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO, and we are chatting with the one, the only, the Boon Man. And uh, we just went through the movies that uh, don't hold up well. Uh, Boone Man, you also uh, watch a lot of TV. Well, you know, I would say that I don't. I do, I do a lot of binge-watching online, Netflix-type stuff. But now that I think about it, I, I must watch a lot of regular television because there's some ads, TV ads, that are just mystifying to me. Yeah. Um, well, it, there's a lot of very strange things out there on cable, especially. Like colostomy bags and such. I don't know what those things are. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, and there's a new ad that has just started here in the last couple of weeks for Peroni's disease. Per- pierogies? What? Per- per- pierogi, not pierogies. Not- like, I could go for some pierogies. Yeah. I remember Touch of Europe? Boy, they had some great pierogies. They did, and uh, actually, I'm going to Cleveland uh, in a couple of weeks. I'm going to hit up the pierogies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you go. would, but you will not want the, you don't want to hit these up. Peroni's is, I think we call it the crooked wiener uh, disease. Oh, Bill Clintonitis. Yeah. yeah, I know that one. Around the corner kind of a deal there. And apparently yeah. there's, apparently it's a big problem. Really? And there's a lot of people that want, you know, that could that could benefit from some sort of pill that, I guess, straightens things out. I, now, here's the deal. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think I would take the advice of a TV commercial for that particular affliction. 
Well, yeah, I mean, well, no, it, it always says tell your doctor. And that's the other thing. It, it says, you know, when they, when they talk about these drugs, make sure you tell your doctor if you've had a liver transplant. <laughs> I think your doctor should probably know if you've had a liver transplant if you're seeing a doctor. It might be in your electronic health record. Be in a file somewhere or that big, huge scar in your midsection <laughs> where they put a new liver in. Also, um, also when you're having your physical... Yeah, they, you they know, should, it they, might, they might. Notice that's going to come up. Yeah, that's not one of those things you forget. Oh yeah, I, I guess I did have my tonsils out when I was ten. You know, <laughs> no. liver. That's well, especially Peroni's 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 disease. Yeah, I can't believe that. That might be the new low for TV ads. It is. You know, do you remember the good old days when the only thing we had to worry about was feminine hygiene ads? Yeah, and we now it's. Cialis and Viagra and, and some non-prescription snake oil that's better than Viagra and that's everything is on there. Non-prescription snake oil that's oh, better than know, Viagra. Like uh, you know, they got the you know Frank Thomas is on talking about this testosterone thing and you don't need a prescription. You can just get this. It'll make you more manly, like me. You know that. No, that's you've, good. you've not seen the big hurt on the television. I haven't seen that one. I did see one the other day with uh, uh, Brett Favre, who apparently will sell anything. Yeah. And uh, um, uh, oh, the old receiver for Jerry Rice, yep. and they're out there playing a little touch football with the boys, and they've got these belts on that are supposed to make them like Superman. Is it the copper thing? I think so. And then it's yeah. but then it's got a big back brace on it, like oh. That will solve all my problems. Yeah, it's got copper in it. Oh, well, then everything's fine. Secret, yeah. If only I knew. Yeah, uh, yeah it's not good. It's not the TV, the ads are, it's, it's com- the cable TV ads are completely out of control. The other thing, there's these ads on all the time for a company that will, um, if you've got a structured settlement mm-hmm. of some sort, they'll buy it from you. So, oh, that's nice of them. You know, like if you have, a, maybe you were injured in a car accident or a work-related injury, maybe... Maybe your uh, parents or family had some sort of a trust set up, and you're you're just no good with money. So mm-hmm. instead of giving it all to you, they set it up as a structured payment for the rest of your life. Oh, like you! These, these guys, guys will take care of you. They'll, they'll come in and they'll buy it for a pile of cash now. Mm-hmm. So instead of taking a thousand dollars a month for the rest of your life, we'll give you forty thousand dollars right now. And you can get all the meth you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I don't, you know. You, you, you got to look at the math on that and think they have got to be boning those people hard. Oh, it's not good. It's not pretty. Just this has got to be awful. Oh, I, can't, the, I can't help but think where in the heck are Hildebrand and Hickey now? That's right, where, standing up for the, the oppressed. Yeah, Boone man. Hey, thanks a lot. Uh, good talking good. to you on a lovely Friday. Have a great weekend, and we'll chat with you next week. I got to save some of the stuff for future episodes. I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm shooting my whole. Uh, Got to hold on to it. Yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Yep. Coming up after the news and weather, it's Janet Brecky from the Sioux Falls City Council. Stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with guitar. 358 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Hey, everybody. Going on now, it's First Friday downtown, art, entertainment, shopping, and food in beautiful downtown Sioux Falls. The downtown block party starts at 5.30, and it's a big one with Paul Thorne and the Blind Boys of Alabama, three admissions of the Kirby Science Center and the Visual Arts Center at the Washington Pavilion, street musicians, all kinds of good stuff. That's downtown today. 
Coming up after the news, it's Phil Shrek talking about the weather and the Janet Brecky from the Sioux Falls City Council. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. From the sky we look so organized and brave Walls that make up barricades and graves Daddy's little empire built by hands and built by slaves From the sky we look so organized and brave 406 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. One of my favorite songs from Jason Isbell, Flying Over Water. I saw an item today that uh, I just, you know, you know, you people know that I'm not a fan of the tariffs, right? You know this. I've said this before. This is no secret. Um, But now this has gone too far. All right. The tariffs are affecting bike prices. It's true. The federal government has proposed increasing the tariff on most bicycles, products, and accessories by 10%. This is from a People for Bikes fine organization. We anticipate this increase will, will increase duties on our industry by more than $100 million, increasing costs for suppliers, retails, and customers. That's not good. There's a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, bikes? Come on, people. This is a new low. You attack my soybeans, that's one thing. You attack my bike, we got a problem. All right? Also, e-bikes, going to hurt them. Hurts everything. Terrorists, man, they're just not good. Anti-competitive, but isolationist, the protectionist, I don't like Coming up after the break here, we're going to talk with City Councilor Janet Brecky uh, about a whole raft of issues. Should be fun. Stay tuned. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. In the sky. 412 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And I am very happy to have in studio with us again. First time since before the election. First time as an elected official. Janet Brecky from the Sioux Falls City Council. And uh, Janet, thanks for coming in today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so you have been on the council now for, what, it's 80 days, something like that? Something like that. It was are, May 15th. Are you, are you scratching them off the calendar like you're in a, some sort of prison <laughs> cell, like a Shawshank Redemption situation? I don't think the 100-day rule applies to counselors. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's true. Uh, so far, uh, you came in. Um, also, uh, Kurt so- Sale. Sale, I always say his name wrong. Came in as well, new uh, new councilors and uh, and also a new mayor. Um, your impressions so far? Rate the new mayor. How's the administration doing? He's got a big job ahead of him initially um, because there's so much structure in place that are, is designed for just a really really autocratic mayoral style. And he's stated publicly on the campaign trail, and he's he's trying to put into action the kinds of things that that make it more of a, a collaborative effort with the council. So I think he's doing a great job, but uh, there's still still a lot of work to be done in that area to get things, you know, feeling comfortable for him, for his style. But I know that the council, you know, as a group are, are really liking his style. I, I, I certainly am. Yeah. Um, 
you were city attorney for a long time. How long were you in the city attorney's office? 18 years. So uh, as the city attorney, from your perspective as city attorney, now that you are on the council, and we talked about that before you were elected, but now that you're on the council as with that background, are you seeing things that you're surprised by that you weren't expecting as an elected official that you thought you knew as a, a, a bureaucrat? Yes, I am. Yeah, and, I, and I'm seeing so many changes to the structure you know, that we put in place when we implement it back in the 90s. And I, you know, I was... The charter. The charter, when we mm-hmm. implemented the charter. Just a lot of systems that are, are gone completely, systems that were designed to keep the powers in balance, systems that were designed to have accountability, a paper trail, whole systems just gone. And I think as I, as I kind of research into it, ask questions about it, try to fill in that 14-year gap that I've been gone, a lot of it was done for expediency, and, and, and maybe even innocuously. But a lot of it was done, again, because the last two mayors have both been pretty autocratic in their style. And so they just wanted to get things done fast and efficiently. But in the, in the name of that, um, the public's been kind of left out. The public process has been kind of left out. And it's been kind of disrupted. Give us an example of what you're talking about. Well, a lot of the systems in place are designed to just hurry things through. And I've squawked at the council at a couple of the council meetings about why is why is are these ordinances that are being brought by one city council member with a sign off by another being put on for a first read without ever presenting them to the rest of the council? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, going you know you're a policy setting body with legislative functions. You would think you've done all this research by yourself, but you're not going to you've talked to everybody else, but mm-hmm. you're not going to float it by your council members first in an informational or a working session. Bam, it goes on, and then you're talking in a hurry in the week and a half that you have before you have second reading and you're actually negotiating your your ordinances instead of collaborating. Mm-hmm. And I you know I've been public about that. I said you know, this is this is you don't fast track every ordinance. That was the public input change. That was the public input change that right came up very it. quickly. Very quickly. And I've seen since that's just the way everything has been done. So I'm trying to convince the council of the the value in in running those things through an informational first so you can just talk about it and, and you know, add things before you have to formally, like, debate it, uh, you know, from the DS. That's just not a good way to make good law. Why do you think that happened? You said you thought it was for um, uh, expediency's sake, but that, I mean, it seems to be, uh, expediency is one thing, um, doing things to limit sort of public discussion is another and at what point does it walk over that line that's a you know that's that is my point that's why i think i'm of the philosophy slower down what's the hurry i mean this is government we're making law we're setting policy Mm -hmm. take some time to discuss it there's certain things you fast track like the discovery thing when that came through they've had they've known about that for months the usd discovery center yeah we had to do an appropriation 1.2 million big decision but we've known about it for years and, and, it, and everything that was falling into place and we needed to do our piece. And, and so that just went right on through because everybody knew about it, but the public knew about it as well. Those kinds of things, they do a fast track. But your routine ordinances, I can't think of hardly anything you know, routine that shouldn't have either an informational or a working session you know, before they come on to That's that. That's not on the consent agenda or things of this nature that are our standard business. Yeah, when you're changing procedures or policies, mm-hmm. like, like public input. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly that was a hot-button issue. And the idea that we were just going to 
you know, put that on a first and second read without consulting with any of the rest of the council was just, it, it, that was crazy to me. But I can tell that since, since then, after talking with my council members, that's just the way it's been done. So, so my idea that it should be done differently is new to them. When you talked to Marshall Selberg and Rick Kiley, who brought that, it was Marshall's uh, ordinance on the public input to put it at the end and all that. When you said, why are we going so fast? What did he say? There'll be plenty of time to talk about it between first and second read. And I'm going, no, that's that's like two weeks. No, that's not enough time. to. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and there hasn't I, been any public input on the public input. Right. And what, what was troubling about that is when you're talking about it at that stage, you're ne- they're negotiating with you. We were mm-hmm. negotiating it, not collaborating, negotiating. Yeah. It's my ordinance. I put it on. You can ask me what, you know, what I want for my amendments, but... I'll decide whether I'll do it, was it voluntarily or not. It yeah. was it was it was heavy-handed negotiation, and again, we've talked about these things in cooler heads and cooler minds, and, and, and as we go through it, and and I think they're listening a little bit now that you know that that's not how you make permanent policy decisions. You know, at least that's how I don't. I mean, I don't feel that's the way it should be done. Where you're actually negotiating them, you should be collaborating on the front end, working all the bugs out, agree to disagree. And then put her on for what it's worth and go on down the road. But again, and, and during that earlier process, then the public and the media can be involved too. Mm-hmm. They can hear your debating and hear your, you know, your rationales for your decisions. And it eventually kind of happened that way. But it was, it was just, yeah, I just, I didn't like that process at all. The uh, the the news of the day this week um, was uh, P- Mayor Tenhaken's press conference. Um, to announce that he wanted to go ahead with the Village on the River project, the big $50 million parking ramp and hotel. Um, uh, should we be moving ahead with this project, given what we know now about the parties who put it together? Are you, are you okay with where we are now? I think those of us that are new on the council, and I, you know, I can only speak for myself, but that would be the mayor, you know, mm-hmm. Kurt Sale and I, we watched that know as a citizen mm-hmm. and I would tell you your your new people on the council plus you know a couple of your old ones are very concerned about it but it's so far down the road that the the risk to the city for turning around and stopping at this point I, I just it's it's too high I mean you're just too far there's too many decisions been made that mm-hmm. um, you put yourself at a financial risk I think then that's that's I can't think where the you know where we fall in it's like we don't feel like we can change it the uh, Jeff Lamont is now the majority uh, guarantor or the single guarantor and the majority uh, owner of this project at this point, to put it simply. Uh, but Mr. Drake, Legacy still has a small share, a minority share. Um, I'm told, uh, what did Jeff Lamont say? It's less than 10%, right? That's what he said. Um, should we, is there some way that uh, uh, legacy should be taken out of that project entirely, given that they, that there is a criminal investigation regarding the Copper Lounge collapse and their connections to that uh, Hulker and construction, et cetera, et cetera? You know, again, I, that I'd have to defer to the city attorney's office mm-hmm. on, but, you know, it's basically my understanding that I don't think we have that ability yeah. to do that because when we're, when we're dealing with the entity, at the moment that, you know, as we proceeded through this, the entity we, that we're dealing with is clean. Right. You know. But the, when you look back on it um, and you weren't involved in, you've come to this late in the process, mm-hmm. but um, because the connections uh, between Hulker and Construction and Legacy, which turns out 
They're basically the same officers. We didn't know that until the bankruptcy filing for Hulk and Construction after they, the collapse and all the lawsuits and everything. Do you think that the people were lied to in this development? We're a partner in a fifty million. We're, you know, it's fifteen million dollars of our money. Well, we weren't given all the information, and we were asking for it. I mean, you know, Teresa Staley was clearly asking for it. Mm-hmm. Pat Starr was asking for it, and again the only information they had received prior to it was the answer to questions they got the night they had to vote on it. Mm -hmm. So again, that goes right back to what we just talked about. There was a pattern of just pushing things through so rapidly that nobody had the chance to really study them. And so there, I think both, yeah, you know, the, you know, the push from the administration to do that was wrong. And then, you know, the fact that we, there was not enough time to get the answers to the questions like the issue of investors and who is involved. I mean, basically you're dealing with the entity and you don't necessarily have a legal right to know, right. but you can ask because mm-hmm. you can ask and say, hey, if you don't tell me, I'm not going to do business with you. Right. If you do tell me, I'll decide whether I'm going to do business with you. And you can, you know, They you don't have do that. to tell you, but there's no law that says they can't. Right. And there's no nothing to stop you from asking. And in that situation, some people were asking. Yeah. You know. And, do you, and couldn't get the rest of the council on board to ask. I mean, there were even the people who voted for it were concerned, but felt like it was too far down the road for them to stop it. Um, But that was before we knew before we did know all the connections. So do you think that the Huther that officials in the Huther administration knew those connections and simply chose not to reveal them to the council? Yeah, I think they did. What do you think should be the repercussions for that? I don't know. I mean, that, that administration's gone. Um, I don't know that we can do anything because the council approved it. Mm-hmm. Is there something you would like to see going forward in terms of the process that would not allow that to happen in the future? You can't stop. You can't pass a law that would keep people from lying or obfuscating. <laughs> but is there something you'd like to see in the process that would uh, allow for more disclosure in either the RFQ or RFP processes, not to get too detailed. (laughs) Yes, there is. (laughs) And it's kind of one of my fall on the sword issues. Again, there needs to be more process before it ends up on the agenda. And one of my big complaints that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be patient and slow down. And I've had, you know, my fellow council members tell me, you just need to experience it first before you become in and be critical. Mm -hmm. But one of my criticisms is how the council is briefed on agenda items. They don't have an agenda briefing meeting. They are, um, the, they are rotated through the mayor's director meeting. Hmm. And the council chair and vice chair get to go to every meeting. And then they're, they're also on the rotation to pick who else can come to the meeting. And then the others rotate you know, on a rotation. Just to explain to you how that worked, I got sworn in on May 15th. Mm-hmm. If Christine Erickson hadn't given me up two of her slots when she was on vacation because she wanted me to experience it, mm-hmm. I would not have had a, a briefing, an agenda briefing on any of the meetings I've attended until next week. Wow. Wow. Okay. And that now, seems odd. Yes. I that, didn't know that. Yes. And that, that's what I found when I got in there. And I'm going, why is this being done this way? Well, it's pretty clear if you take our former mayor's very popular statement about I only need five. Mm-hmm. You've got your chair and your vice chair, whoever the two are they pick that get to come to their meetings regularly. Mm-hmm. 
and then you've got your X chair that has been coming, and so you've got your five. So those other people, so you've got two levels of information. The other people that don't come on the weeks, they don't come, they take notes. They're, they're called red notes. Yeah, you know, they're, and they're, they're supposed to share them. In their, and they, they'd get them. Yeah, we get them. But it's a whole lot different to sit in the meetings because now that I've sat in two, I've only, I sat in, I've only sat in two since I've been there. I mean, you get your questions answered. You get to hear some of your fellow council members' questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to connect with the directors and you know who they are and who's in charge of what if you do need more information. So clearly the people that are getting to go to the meetings have a different level of knowledge and understanding you know, when the, when the item shows up on the agenda. So one of the things I, I came out in Teresa Staley's defense was, you know, she's sitting there, never invited to the meetings. And so when she asks all those questions, it's the first chance she's had to ask him. Mm-hmm. She gets the, oh, she gets the red notes. The red notes are fine. No, they're not. I've been to the meetings. That's not fair. No. It's not good, good government, but it's also just not fair. We're elected officials. You shouldn't be expected to vote on something without having your questions answered. Yeah, and, and think of the massive that would be ones. That would be abdicating your responsibility as an elected official. Right. And, and, you know, on the routine things, I suppose I can get by with the red mm-hmm. notes. But imagine, imagine sitting, and, and, and for me, right now, thinking, what if something really big had come down in my period when I'm not there, mm-hmm. like that parking ramp project? Then I'm told, well, you can just go find it yourself. You know, that's what my fellow council members would say, that the ones that get to go every Mm -hmm. week, they would tell me, well, you can go find that. You can just go find that, find out your information. That's what I do. Well, you know them. You've been, you've met them all and you're talking to the directors. You even know her. But why should I have to find out it that way? Why shouldn't I be properly briefed? Is it, do I have a right to demand to be properly briefed on the agenda items? I think I do. And I think I should be. And I've talked to this mayor about it. And he's he's listening to me, but he's again trying to f- to experience things first mm-hmm. before he makes changes. Yeah. And I'm also talking to my fellow council members about it, and and just trying to to help them understand, you know, my frustration with the fact that there's not an agenda briefing meeting where all the council can go and the and the the Public. media can go too. Yeah. Why shouldn't they be at that briefing session as well? That's another reason I think it's done because it, it ends up being four. People, you know, three people in the mayor at each meeting. So I think it was done to avoid, you know, Exposure. to avoid, you know, the media being involved. Which is again, that's how you have this happen, where there's so little time when these things come down. So it is about the process, mm-hmm. and I think the way that you can stop things like this from happening again is to put a better process in place. We're talking with Janet Brecky. She is a Sioux Falls City Councilor and uh, just serving in her first term. And we're going to come back right after the news and weather and continue this conversation on hot topics of the day before your city council. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 437 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our chat with Jana Brecky, Sioux Falls City Councilor uh, at large. Right, you're you're at large, aren't you? That's correct. I gotta keep. I, I earned that. That was hard work. I, I had to campaign over the whole city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm the proud at, of that title. The at large councilors aren't there three or are there only two? There's three. Three. It's, it's you, Teresa, Christ- and Christine. Christine, got it. Um, three women. How about that? Yeah, I never thought true. about that's, it. Then. I didn't think about that either. Uh, maybe we will have a woman mayor someday. Um, that's got nothing to do with anything. It's not. Uh, it's not if. It's just when. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, are you bothered by the fact that Darren Ketchum, the former community development director, 
who did all these negotiations with Legacy and answered all the questions for the council, uh, went to work for Legacy Development right after he left the city employee and was, in fact, uh, interviewed for that job while he was working with Legacy as a public employee. Are you bothered by that? Yes. What should we do about that? You know, certainly there's an appearance of impropriety there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't look good. Um, I don't know what we do about that. Can you have some cooling off? Many government uh, organizations, whether they're elected or unelected, bureaucracies, have a uh, cooling off period. People from Congress can't be lobby, can't register as lobbyists for two years. There's different waiting periods here and there. Should city employees have to do that? You know, that's, At a, above a certain level, I'd have to think about that. You're hitting me with some really fresh, fresh ideas, and that you know, it, it's a, it's, it's a good thought. On the one hand, you know, it's a balance thing again. On the one hand, you don't want to prevent people from advancing their careers, and you don't want to prevent them from, um, you know, utilizing the skills that they had at the city. But you're right; there's a window there. And for example, our ethics ordinance, you know, it does attach to an employee for a year um, after they leave the city. They're still under the jurisdiction of the ethics code. Then how would this not apply to him? Or did, was not an ethical violation? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I haven't. But what can you do to somebody it. who's no longer a city employee? Not a lot. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you can you know, at least you can be public about it, you know. Um I touched on this a little bit, but I want to ask you directly. Do you think that uh Former Mayor Huther played a role in the actual negotiations between Legacy and the city in terms of the RFQ? That I don't know. I mean, everything that I know about that, you know, I, it's, just, it's just, you know, random comments from people that weren't involved. So it's more speculation. The information I have on that is really speculation. So I, I just, I can't comment on that. And it's just, it's just because I just was, I'm not in a place of knowledge. Would you like to see some changes to the RFQ and RFP process to make them more open? I need to look into that. You know, I'm just, I, that's one of those areas where I kind of remember it, mm-hmm. but I don't remember exactly how it worked. So I, I kind of forgotten how it used to work and I'm not familiar with how it's currently working. I, I do know that there's speculation that the mayor was too involved, but I do know when I was there, it wasn't, um, really criticized that much and it really seemed to work well so it would be something I would I would enjoy getting into because I think my background would help me you know kind of mm-hmm. see you know see what the fixes might be but it, it probably should you know be taken a look at but um, the the merits of the project the the hotel and parking ramp um, do you like the project uh, all these other questions notwithstanding you know, I had a whole different, even when I was sitting there as a citizen, you know, a citizen campaigning, you know, I, I had a whole different uh, thought process on it. And, and no, I didn't like the project because I looked at that, that last little plot of land and the city's parking needs as just a little a piece of gold there. I mean, we that was like our last chance, you know, to build something downtown. And, and while this is beautiful... I was still thinking about we could have built, we could have taken care of all of our parking needs in a perfectly centralized location. You know, and again. Are you saying it's not enough parking? I'm saying it should have maybe just been a parking ramp and taken care of all of the parking. You know, because now we've still got all kinds of parking issues, uh, you know, that, that are, you know, that we have to phase in parking over the years. 
in order to meet our needs. And we have a, a study that told us exactly how much we needed. Maybe and people so, should drive less. <laughs> yeah, walk more, ride bikes more. There you go. That's so. That I, is I the just I really question that kind of project right there on that spot. There's so many different spots you could put that project, but for parking, can you imagine a better spot for parking? It's right there in the core. Well, it's right on the riverfront too. Yeah. is that a good spot for yeah. parking? Yeah, big, yeah. big, ugly parking. Big ramp. ugly parking ramp. Yeah. Oh, I hate yeah. parking ramps. But I, I was just wondering about that decision. If you know that the you mm-hmm. know the, the parking needs. Do you think it's too expensive? The 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 actual ramp is too expensive in terms of what we are contributing to this project. You know, I'm not convinced it is because, of course, in order to get that, we've got to do that extra strengthening. So I don't. I mean. So the cost is what it is, but then, yeah, you are getting this other economic project as well. So, I, you I are getting tax it. dollars, and Greg Neitzert was on the program yesterday, mm-hmm. and he pointed out you get tax dollars from this, uh, and a parking ramp. Whereas if you build just a parking ramp, there's no there's no uh, uh, tax dollars involved with that. You're not right. getting any income right. back. And you're so gener- that's one of the benefits yes. of it. Yeah, that's one of the benefits, and you're generating that you know that all that retail extra retail downtown. I mean, it's a great project. I just wondered about it at that location. Yeah. Um, We're going to come right back and talk more with City Councilor Janet Brecky after this short break. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 447 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, we're talking with Janet Brecky. She is a city councilor. She's an at-large city councilor from your city of Sioux Falls. And uh, let's see, we have hit all the hot topics on the Village on the River project, uh, the mayor, uh, what the, uh, wastewater. Oh, who wants to talk about sewage? <laughs> um, so we're going to build a $260 million, well, it's not just a plant, mm-hmm. but the whole project, a bunch of updates, a bunch of upgrades. Uh, uh, it's the largest public works project in the history of Sioux Falls, as I understand it. Is it, is it, is that too much? That seems like a lot of money. It's a lot of money, but this is one of those places where I my institutional knowledge is helpful. You know, I, I, I have a 14-year gap, okay, so I'm trying to fill that gap. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you, 14 years ago, we were talking about 20 years from then. Mm-hmm. And when we were talking about 20 years from then, we were talking about building a brand-new wastewater treatment plant on the east side of on the southeast side of the city. Mm-hmm. And so I picked it up there. I said, is this that thing we were talking about 20 years ago? Because it's kind of cool to come back and go, yeah. okay, wow, because that is what happened with Lewis and Clark, which I could talk to you about. Right. I mean, we planned that, and now I just went and saw it last week. He said, yeah. wow, we built it. It's really cool. I mean, Gary Hansen, oh, he worked so hard on that. Yeah. He was so visionary on that. 52% of our water is coming from there right, right. now. It's kind anyway, of amazing. Anyway, I digress. And it will be question. more and more as we go along. Right. I'm not trying to That's avoid right. your question. No, it's but a, anyway, it's, it's kind of fun that, you know, to have those visions and then see them happen. And this is one that they actually planning. It was, it was because, you know, flat, there was the, the land was flat and all this. And there was, you know, they were thinking way out ahead. Mm-hmm. So I went and picked it up, you know, with, you know, the, the engineers. What, you know, is that what we were, is that what, what we were planning? They said, actually, no, because of the way the city grew, the city grew differently. We're, while we're growing heavily south, we're also growing heavily in the north and the east. Well, we're just growing on all sides. Mm-hmm. And we grew differently. So I said, over the years, that thing has changed several th- times. But what, what they finally decided to do is really build, you know, rebuild the same site. And, and in, in the present environment, it makes perfect sense. I and mean, you're talking about it's out 
north uh, east part of town, right? Yeah. Way out there. So we're not going to build a second one. Right. We're just rebuilding one, which is kind of amazing. And so my thinking is it might have been even more expensive because if we had to build two and mm. staff two, I can't even imagine what those costs would be. So it does seem to me that they made wise decisions in making changes to what that plan was back then. And the idea that we've got the land um, in, the, in the right location, um, I think that, that, that it's a good plan. Is it expensive? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's really expensive. And I, I will dig into that. I mean, I don't know if we're building the, the Taj Mahal of, of waste treatment, treatment yeah. plants or not. But I'm, I'm guessing it probably is what it is. You know, well, those things cost. Government always gets charged more, it seems like, to, to build. You know? Well, and the other thing is that uh, I've learned, uh, you know, doing the show, you talk to a lot of people, and one of them is uh, Dana Lesky, who's with uh, uh, Friends of the Big Sioux River. And we're talking about the cheese plant up in Lake Norton. And, you know, the state of South Dakota doesn't have a nitrate standard for how much they can nitrates they can put into the river up there mm. for the upper Big Sioux. But you, the city of Sioux Falls and Brookings and so on, we have to treat that water, you know, so in terms of our drinking water. And when we put it back in, it's got to be higher standard. Mm. So we get it. We get it on both sides. We have to, you know, we aren't drinking out of the Big Sioux anymore. But when we put water back in. We have to we have to live by a, a nitrate standard, and we have to keep the water as clean as we can because that's our resource. So we have to do it right. Uh, you don't want to have to go back and retrofit the thing again right. in ten years. Do you think it's actually enough capacity for our growth? I do, and I'm and I'm trusting on the you know the peop, the folks that have developed it. Uh, I have no reason to doubt. Their projections and how they, you know, how they ascertain those. When I sit in on those briefings and, you know, how they get those numbers, mm-hmm. um, we've been pretty good at projecting things in Sioux Falls. So I just don't have any reason not, you know, not to believe that that they've projected what we need. It's hard to believe. It's like a thirty million gallon per day capacity or whatever. Thirty million, thirty million gallons a day, right? Right. That's an amazing amount of sewage. And again, that's going to service for the next. What did they say? I can't remember. It's a long time. It's a long time. And uh, twenty fifty maybe. Yeah. The uh, uh, the other thing is, people, if you don't want to pay for this, don't put your sump pumps into your sewer. Sump pumps go into the the the, the curb, not into your drain. That's why that's bad. Don't do that. That that causes everything to uh, more money. Right. Right. Yeah. Thank you and for that you, little there advertisement. You <laughs> there you go. I'm. Uh, Janet, I'm here as a public service, I mostly. Um, c- the other thing that I like, you know, to talk about here is transportation. And we, in the like minute and a half that we have left here, uh, when are we going to have a serious discussion about our transportation system, holistic, multimodal transportation? I know there are people working on these issues all the time, but it doesn't seem like we ever have a public discussion about how are we going to move people around this town effectively. And economically, for folks who shouldn't have to have two cars and all that. We're building low-income housing on the outskirts of town. How are those people going to get to the work, to the school, to, to retail? Yeah, that, is, that issue is a, is a hard one. And it was, again, this is an interesting thing for me coming back because I, I was so proud of us for back in the 80s and 90s, you know, in, in an anti-slum fashion, anti-ghetto fashion, we decided to disperse our low-income out, 
our low-income housing mm-hmm. throughout the city mm-hmm. so that people, regardless of income, could live anywhere mm-hmm. because we didn't want it, you know, located. We didn't want to have tenement buildings, and we didn't want to have, you know, ghettos or any of that. And so we were thinking visionary, learning from the mistakes of other larger cities when we did that. So we're so proud of ourselves. Now I come back 14 years later again and go, oh, now we got to provide transit all the way out there and never having thought of the other things that, you know, those those things that you don't expect to happen, and now you've got to try though. to do with that. It's time to have that discussion, right? It's time to have the discussion, and I guess my position on it, you know, we have to f- figure out the most economical way to do it, but it's going to be expensive, but we still got to do it. Yeah. It's a public service we have to provide. But the, the, way, the other thing I would like to focus on, though, is I really would love to see more of a comprehensive planning process take place to really drive development to the core, to the core neighborhoods mm-hmm. to grow up and, you know, to grow higher and to, to save our save our neighborhoods, save the housing in our neighborhoods so that we have more housing that are, so that, you know, that we have more livable neighborhoods yeah. in that affordable housing in the core and don't drive people so far out to the edges. Janet Brecky, she is city councilor, one of the three at-large city councilors on your city council. And uh, Janet, thanks for coming and we'll talk to you again real soon. All righty. Thank you for having me. Coming up. After the break, we'll tell you all about next week. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> 458 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Coming up next week, famed economist Ernie Goss is here from Creighton University. Andy Garrett of NAMI will be here talking about an upcoming event. And the common man is our weird friend on Monday. Oh, it's going to be a great week. Have a fabulous weekend, everybody. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.